Chris Penrose here. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in USC Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. This episode, we're going to be talking about this uh, this tough home stretch for the Trojans, uh, dropping two games uh, first to Utah on Wednesday night, and then a tough one to Colorado on Saturday night. Uh, and then we're going to look ahead to two must-win games up in the Bay Area. SC plays Stanford Wednesday at 8 o'clock, and then they'll play a winless Cal team uh, in Berkeley Saturday evening. But first off, let's talk about uh, two horribly missed opportunities by the Trojans in order to try to create a little bit of distance in a Pac-12 conference in which there's a huge logjam between the second-place team and the 10th-place team. Uh, as Washington is still uh, top of the conference with a record of 10-1, and one. Uh, USC now sits uh, as it stands before uh, the Oregon-Stanford game this evening. Uh, USC is in fifth place at 6-5. and five. Uh, The winner of Oregon-Stanford will be tied with USC for fifth place. Entering into this home stretch, playing the Mountain Schools, SC was in a very good position to get two home wins against two teams that have struggled this season. And if they were to do that, they would have been at 8-3 and three and most likely alone in second place in the conference. And for whatever reason, SC did not come out to play on Wednesday night against Utah. Utah came out to a 7 nothing lead. SC hit some shots, tied it up at 7-7. And then the next thing you know, uh, they were down about 20 points. What The most concerning thing for me watching this team play these last two games, and it really started with Utah, is the, the kind of lack of intensity, the lack of emotion, the lack of effort and enthusiasm to play those two games. Sitting behind the bench, watching Coach Enfield, Coach Hart, Coach Capco, Coach Bahar, they were they were like trying to coach effort, and that that can't happen, especially at this time or this point in time in the season. If you're coaching effort, that's on the players, and and there there's something wrong with that team. Um, very very frustrating. It just didn't look like they had a want or desire to be out on the floor, at least to start the game. The last 10 minutes of the Utah game, I felt like the team played hard. They did everything they could to get back into the game. They had a couple possessions where, you know, a couple of missed threes would have turned the 11-point game into a five-point game, and all of a sudden there's three minutes left, two-possession ball game. SC has a chance to win. Who knows what happens? But... I think they spent a little too much effort in the last couple of minutes trying to come back where they just kind of ran out of gas at the end. When you look at the stats, uh, Utah won 77 to 70. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as close as the score makes it out to be. Utah was up between 15 and 20 points the majority of the end of the first half beginning through midway point of the second half. I thought SC actually did a really good job uh, keeping Cedric Bearfield in check. He only ended up with 13 points. Um, he did have three turnovers, 
five assists, three rebounds, uh, was four of 14 from the field, held him to three of 10 from the three-point line, which I thought was really good. Uh, but it was the other guys that really that really produced for Utah. Um, you know, Riley Batten was a guy who uh, didn't really do a whole lot previously. He went four or five from the field with nine points and had seven rebounds. Uh, Jace Johnson went five of eight from the field, 13 points, 13 rebounds. Guys that you just don't really hear about. Um, Timmy Allen was their second leading scorer. SC did a pretty good job on him. He only shot the ball five times. He ended up with six points and five rebounds. Uh, Donnie Tillman, a guy off the bench, went four of nine, uh, hit two threes, ended with 12 points, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, Parker Van Dyke, who hit a big three-pointer to win uh, at Poly Pavilion and beat UCLA a couple nights ago. He went three of six, hit three threes, and you know, one of the threes was really a dagger towards the end of the game. Um, so you look at the you look at that Utah box score. Nothing really jumps out to you. That's like, oh, those guys played pretty well. That's why they beat the Trojans. I mean, they shot forty five percent from the field. They went eleven of twenty nine from three. So I thought SC defended the three point line pretty well. Didn't shoot their free throws particularly well. Went fourteen of twenty one for sixty six percent. They just, I, I you know, they had 21 bench points, which I think really hurts USC. We're going to talk about the lack of bench productivity in this podcast because it's a real, real issue for the Trojans right now. When you look at SC stats, you know, when as we've watched this season progress, if Nick, if either Nick or Benny does not have a good game, SC's in trouble. And Nick Rakosevich did not have a good game. Got two flagrant fouls. Let his emotions get the best of him. He needs to figure out the mental part of this game. He'll never get to that next level if he can't keep his emotions in check. Both fouls, in my opinion, I don't think I don't think I would have called them flagrant ones. They were both called flagrant ones. I think if anything, they were just regular fouls. I thought I thought the officiating was very soft. Uh, in this game against Utah. I think those guys could have called the game a little bit better, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, Jonah Matthews had a good game. He was the leading scorer, 7-14 from the field, hit four threes. You know, a lot of his points kind of came late um, in the game. He hit like three threes in a row. Uh, when Essie started to make their comeback, uh, he ended with 18 points, three rebounds, two assists. Benny had a pretty decent game, went 3-7 from the three-point line, 17 points, 12 rebounds, a double-double. Uh, but Nick went 4-9 from the field, 10 points, 9 rebounds. He only played 28 minutes. He had to sit out most of the first half because of three fouls and, you know, kind of stupid fouls. And then you look at the rest of the team and their production. Shaq had 7 points. Derek Thornton had 4 points on 2-10 shooting, 0-2 from the three. Kevin Porter, 3 of 8, 7 points. A lot of those were kind of when the game didn't matter. Elijah Weaver came into the game. I thought his productivity right off the bench in the first half was actually pretty good. Uh, hit hit a big 3 and a nice layup to get the Trojans to tie the game at 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, but he didn't score after that. He made his first two shots and then missed his last five. Uh, Jerron Brooks came into the game only 3 minutes, 2 points. I mean, the... The productivity off the bench just just isn't isn't there. We need more from those guys. Um, you look at the rebounds. 
Uh, SC was out-rebounded 42-37. That continues to plague the Trojans, giving up uh, offensive rebounds. They have to stop that. Um, just a frustrating game from start to finish. And to be honest with you, it really was the the lack of desire, the lack of wanting to be there, which was really frustrating for me in particular watching um, I, I, I honestly don't even really know what to say. I mean, there's only so much you can do. I, I was at walkthrough, and you hear what the coaches say. You know, they tell them, these are what you need to do to win the game. This is how we do them. They're walking through the sense. They're walking through the plays. And to see that and shoot around and then go to the game five hours later, and you can see the play Utah is going to run, and you go, okay, that's what they worked on. And instead of going over the screen, the guy goes under it, which is not what they were taught, and they give up a wide open three. You know, the only thing the coach can do at that point is take that guy out because he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't listening to the scouting report. You can't coach effort and you can't coach desire. Uh, and Enfield went on uh, the the post game locker room show after this game and took you know he took full credit um, or full excuse me full responsibility for not having the team ready to go because they looked like they sleptwalked through the first half. Um, but there's only, in my opinion, there's only so much coaches can do. You can put your players in the right position to stop the play or to make a play, and if they can't do it, that's on them. But so you hope that, you know, this this could have been that wake-up call, right? Like, SC's played a pretty solid conference season so far, in my opinion, with the exception of the Oregon game and parts of that Washington game. So you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe this is the last dud they have to get out of their system uh, in order to make a run in conference. And so they have a Colorado team that's coming into the Galen Center on Saturday night. Uh, you know, a Colorado team that going into this weekend was 3-6 and six in conference, not having a whole lot of success. But, you know, the last two games, they beat Oregon, uh, by, by a good margin, and then they beat UCLA at Poly Pavilion uh, a couple of nights before. So, decent team. It's a big game for USC. Needs to be a bounce-back game for USC. And they just kind of came out, and offensively, they just laid an egg again. They only scored 65 points. They lost 69-65 to 65 against Colorado. Obviously, if you remember last year, uh, there was some testiness between... Uh, coaches Tad Boyle for Colorado and uh, and Coach Enfield. Uh, Tad Boyle made some comments uh, in the media about you know how Arizona and USC recruit very well, and there's a reason why the two teams in the conference that recruit very well are being looked at by the FBI. It was a complete uh, BS comment by him. Um, it was unwarranted in my opinion, and it was it was a dirty cheap shot. And, you know, I kind of would have expected uh, a coach who's been in a major conference, a head coach in a major conference, would have a little bit more class. Apparently not. Coach Enfield, after beating Colorado handily with a couple seconds left on the game, uh, called a timeout, uh, you know, kind of rub it in a little bit, um, kind of a, a little jab back for making those comments. And so that happened last year. Uh, so far this year, there's been no animosity between any coaches, uh, no comments made. I think, if anything, the media has kind of brought this story back up. I completely forgot about it before and during the game. Um, 
and after the game, uh, if, if anyone watched it or if anyone was there listening to this, uh, Tad Boyle started to celebrate as if he won a national championship and then blew through uh, the handshake line. Uh, had you know, you can see it on on, on replay that he he said some words, whether that was to a coach or if he was just talking to himself. Um, Jason Hart heard him, uh, kind of you know put his forearm in his chest, told him to calm down. Uh, some players and assistant coaches kind of gathered around. Coach Hart, in my opinion, did the right thing. He stood up for his team. He stood up for his head coach. Uh, stood up for his players. And, uh, you know, he was visibly upset as, you know, I think a lot of the players were. I thought that was uh, a classless act by Tad Boyle. Um, if, I were, if I were a Colorado fan, I'd, I'd, I'd be ashamed. Uh, if Coach Enfield would have done something like that, um, I, I would have said that was BS and that he shouldn't have acted that way. Uh, and, you know, let, let, let's not forget what it is, right? This was two teams that were very middle of the road in a conference that's had a really down year. This game really didn't mean anything. It's not like it catapulted Colorado up to the top of the standings or dropped SC to the very bottom of the standings. Like, why are you celebrating like that? It, it, it was just, it was completely bogus, unwarranted, um, and Colorado should be should be embarrassed that that's the way their head coach acted. But having said that, you know it's water under the bridge. SC is going to go to Colorado and play them, and I'm sure uh, this whole event will rear its ugly head again in the media uh, moments before that game. But looking at this Colorado game, you know a couple things I thought SC needed to do. Number one, McKinley Wright's one of the best point guards in the Pac-12. Honest, honestly, he's probably the best point guard in the Pac-12. SC needed to limit him as much as they could. Uh, Lucas Seward is a big uh, big Brazilian guy, shooter. SC needed to make him one-dimensional. Uh, and Tyler Bay was a guy who was just kicking people's butts on the offensive boards uh, and you know averaging a double-double over the last couple games. They really needed to make sure those guys didn't do anything. Um, Evan Beatty is a big guy. He looks like he should play D-line. Um, Big, tall dude, likes to play in the post most of the time. I thought uh, Nick Rakosevich would be able to handle him um, and handle and handle Seawert pretty well. Uh, Nick had another very poor game. Uh, both those guys, uh, they scored a lot more than they should have. Uh, Seawert hit a bunch of big threes, had 12 points, uh, six rebounds. Uh, and, and Evan Beatty, in my, in my opinion, played 27 minutes, 5-7 to seven from the field. Made all four of his free throws. Ended with 14 points, uh, six rebounds. He was really the difference in the game. Uh, he made a bunch of tough shots for Colorado down the stretch. Played really good defense. He was able to get some some cheap fouls by acting um, on Nick and Benny. Uh, but McKinley Wright, man, watching him play, I, I think he can play in the NBA and have a decent career. He went 9-14 to from the field. Had some big, big drives towards the end of the game uh, when SC had to play a little man-to-man to try to speed him up. Uh, got some wide-open layups, hit some tough shots. He didn't shoot that well from the three, went one of five, but he ended with 20 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Um, and down the stretch, he was really the guy that that kind of um, fueled his team um, 
he and, and you know, he, he kicked it out to Deshaun Schwartz, uh, who I think he scored. He ended up scoring the last five or seven points for Colorado, making a bunch of free throws. Schwartz ended with 13 points, uh, four rebounds, and two assists. Uh, on the SC side, you know, again, Nick Rakosevich, not one of his better games, uh, ended with eight points, only six rebounds, uh, and he did play 34 minutes. Didn't get a whole lot of touches inside. Um, was in foul trouble. Um, Benny Boatwright had a, had a good game. 24 points, uh, three threes, went 8 of 15 from the field, five rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. Um, you know, I actually, I thought Derek Thornton, he kind of had a 50-50 game. He played well uh, in, in a bunch of spurts. He played poorly in a bunch of spurts. Uh, he took some bad shots, and then he made some big shots. Um, he ended with seven points, had two threes. Uh, another good rebounding game for Derek. Derek had seven boards, uh, six defensive boards. And, uh, you know, uh, he was in a position where SC was down two with about 20 seconds left. SC ran a good play, swung the ball around. Derek had a wide open three at the top of the key to make it, uh, you know, a one point advantage instead of a two point deficit for SC. Ball went in and out. Colorado got the rebound, fouled, and then made it a two-possession game. Uh, bench points. Again, this is this is where I get really frustrated. Uh, 15 bench points for Colorado. Nothing that jumps out uh, of the stat sheet. Five bench points for USC. Kevin Porter, 2 of 7 from the field. 0 of 2 from the 3. Again, one of two from the free throw line, missing the front end of a one on one. Uh, Kevin Porter had five points. Elijah Weaver, 15 minutes, no points. Jerome Brooks, five minutes, no points. Victor Uyalumno, three minutes, zero points. That means it's a total of five bench points. Not going to win many games if you don't have any production off the bench. Uh, Shaquan Aaron was the second leading scorer, 13 points on 5 of 10 shooting. He had he had a pretty decent game offensively and defensively, I thought. Hit some big threes. Um, I thought he guarded pretty well in the zone. He was, you know, on his slides. Uh, I thought he was on time, uh, forcing some tough shots. You know, 7 of 24 from the three-point line as a team, 29%. It's not going to get it done. 12 of 19 from the free throw line including a few front ends of one one 63%. Uh, SC continues to be one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in the Pac-12. Um, gosh, just missed opportunities. I feel like I say this a lot about this season. This is a season of missed opportunities for the Trojans. You know, as soon as you think they got it going um, and they have a chance to uh, really move up and improve as a team, they take a couple steps back, and now here we are. Uh, SC's you know middle of the road, uh, tied for fifth place, and a complete logjam in the middle when they should be alone uh, in second place in the conference. When you were looking at this stretch during this uh, during the second half of the of the Pac-12 season, you have Utah and Colorado at home who have both struggled in the Pac-12. And then you go to Stanford and a winless Cal team on the road. Those are four legitimate, I won't say easy because nothing's easy in conference, but those are four legitimately 
easier wins as you look through the conference schedule. And then you have the Oregons coming home. So you'll you'll play those two good teams in front of your home crowd. And then you go back to the Mountain Schools. And then you go into the Pac-12 Conference. So you look at the way that this was set up. This was set up perfectly for SC to maintain that second place position. And who knows? If Washington goes on a losing streak, who knows what could have happened? Maybe SC ends up getting that first place uh, first place seed in the in the Pac-12 tournament. You, crazier things have happened, but obviously that's not going to happen anymore. Now every game is so critical. You have to win on the road. You have to take care of your business at home because if you want any chance to make the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to win the Pac-12 tournament. Washington is the only team, in my opinion, that's going to legitimately be considered for an at-large berth for the tournament. Other than that, you better win the Pac-12 tournament because it's it's NIT or bust at this point for all the other teams in the conference. Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, I I'm I'm struggling to articulate my thoughts about about this kid. You hear all the hype. You saw the videos of him in high school. You saw the videos of him in the Drew League. You saw how he was before his thigh injury and in practice and in some of those games. And you look at him now and, and you know, if I, if I'm an NBA GM and my job is to really work the draft and find the best player to take in the draft and my job depends on it. I don't know how I'm putting my cards behind him at this point. I think he's going to be, a tremendous player one day if he can figure out how to not be so loose with the ball. You see flashes of him where you say, oh my God, there's no doubt he's going to produce in the NBA. He's extremely athletic. Um, you know, he has some, he has NBA caliber moves where you see how easily he can create space and get a wide open shot when people are guarding him. But he's a complete liability on defense. I mean, and on offense, they're trying to run plays. And he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. The mental part of the game, I think, is is the biggest issue for him right now. He really needs to improve on on the on, on how to run plays, on how to stay in the game. What's you know, I shouldn't foul here, or he's going to get a wide open layup. I need to stop here. This whole culture of not wanting to get dunked on that has to go away. If you can if you can stop a guy from getting two points. Try to foul him. Try to block him. Um, I just, I'm, I'm having a really hard time figuring out how everyone's thinking he's going to be a top ten to fifteen pick in this year's NBA draft. Joey Kaufman, who's a uh, a beat writer uh, for USC football and basketball uh, for the OC Register and LA Daily News, uh, I I really like a lot of his tweets. Um, he has he has a great tweet right here. Uh, Game-by-game totals for Kevin Porter Jr. since returning from his suspension. Against Arizona, 14 points, 4-7 shooting. He had a really good game, and he was one of the reasons why SC was able to build such a big lead. I totally agree. Arizona State, 0 points, 0-4 shooting. Washington, 6 points, 2-6 of of shooting. Washington State, 8 points on 3-3 of shooting. Utah, 7 points, 3-8 of shooting. 
Colorado, five points, two of seven shooting. Before Porter went down with a quad contusion and then his suspension, he averaged 14 points on 53.8% shooting in his first five games. That's from Joey Kaufman at the OC Register. Those stats are pretty telling. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think he could become a fantastic NBA player one day. How you put your, you know, how you put your chips all in on him right now is an absolute mystery to me. But then again, I'm not an NBA GM, so, you know, what the heck do I know? Anyway, complete missed opportunity this weekend for SC at home. And now they have to go up to the Bay Area for two extremely important must-win games. Uh, They play Stanford on Wednesday night. Uh, A winless Cal team. Again, a winless Cal team on Saturday night uh, at the Galen Center. SC beat Stanford 77-66 and then took care of Cal uh, 82-73. If you remember, both those games, no Kevin Porter, no Elijah Weaver. Uh, SC was very shorthanded, and they they handled both those teams really well. Um, So not much to talk about. It's really just take care of business. Um, I'm sure you know, the coaching staff's going to do everything they can to get these guys mentally right. Uh, they have to know that these games are absolutely crucial and they have to get a sweep on the road. They, they cannot let Cal's first win be against them. My, uh, my senior year, uh, it was Herb Sednick's first season as the Arizona State head coach. Uh, Arizona State was winless, but they were in just about every game. Uh, they had a really, really young group of guys, very talented, played a really tough matchup zone. Uh, we went to Arizona State, and this was towards the end of the end of the season, um, and and we gave them their first win. It was I remember how devastating that was. It wasn't it wasn't that big of a surprise because Arizona State was a good team. They they had lost probably five or six games by one possession, including they lost a couple games in overtime and on last second shots by the other team. But that hurts, and that that can really, really, really mess with your psyche if you're the team that gives a winless team their first W. Very, very dangerous game. I'm not going to lie. It makes me really nervous. I'm praying that UCLA, who plays them first, is the, is Cal's first win. Please, for the love of God, have it be UCLA, not us. Uh, but that's something that that does does worry me a little bit. Because um, if that happens, the psyche of this team uh, could go down the drain for the rest of the season very, very quickly. But, you know, I... I, I have a lot of faith in this coaching staff. I know they're going to do everything they can to try to get these guys right. You know, the effort needs to be there from the opening tip. You know, as soon as these guys step on that floor, they got to be ready to play. And, and there's only so much you can do as a coach to get your team in that mindset. I want to close out this episode um, with a special mention uh, to a, a dear friend of mine and, and a dear friend to the University of Southern California, uh, Gary Paskowitz, uh, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, he was the founder of WeRSC.com, uh, obviously a, a football-heavy uh, blog, 
Um, I was able, I was very, very fortunate. Gary Paskowitz gave me a shot uh, out of college to kind of help beef up its basketball coverage. I worked with Gary for about three or four years. Uh, we had his service uh, at the Galen Center in the Founders Room today. It was a beautiful service. His family was there, over a couple hundred people. Um, I would like to say that, uh, Gary, we all miss you. We love you. Uh, what you've done for the university, for its sports program, um, and for its coverage uh, will never be, will never be uh, imitated. He was a, uh, a phenomenal person um, who always uh, put other people before himself, never wanted any credit for anything, um, would always, always help other people when they asked for it. Very selfless, very courageous person. Uh, he, was taking, he was taken from us way too early. Um, so with that, Gary Paskowitz, fight on.